We'd like to thank our sponsor, SLC Guitar, for another sweet guitar riff. Welcome to another episode of Build with Breen Homes, where we talk all things construction, business management, and just have a good old time behind the microphone. Mr. Breen, how are you doing today, sir? We are back. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's been a hot second. Been a hot second, but uh, man, we've both been super busy, but you, sir, have been really, really busy. Busy is good. Keeps you out of trouble. Keeps you out of the house. You know definitely. I mean. <laughs> definitely keeps you out of the house. And if, the more you stay out of the house, technically, yeah, the less so trouble you get. Sometimes it's better. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That balance. Get out of the house. Get back in. Yep. Keeps you out of the big house, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, no, it's, it, it has been busy. You know, I, I we hear the rumblings of recession coming on. Right. You know, economic outlook says everything's going to just slow down. We have this huge feel of, like, builders and, and existing real estate sales slowing down. But sometimes I look in the mirror and go, is that like really the market? Because I'm I'm busy. You know, custom home building is really busy for my market, my niche right now. But I also know realtors out there that the the true salesmen and saleswomen that are selling are, are busy, you know? So right. I, it, it's a mixed mixed feeling. Mixed bag all the way around? Absolutely. How are, would you say you are as busy or busier than you were a year ago? I would say as busy. I mean, a year ago, I hate to admit this, but I kind of just stopped answering the phone because it was too hard, you know, and, and you found, yeah. you found just like, you're constantly giving out free, free advice or free time of like going to a meeting, yeah. talking through a, a, a new project or, or the idea that the dream and it never got anywhere. So I would say we're probably as busy. Maybe this, the phone isn't as busy going mm -hmm. off, but as, as far as our physical work, we're absolutely as busy. You know, which is, it's great. And that doesn't seem to be really hitting us like it's hitting a lot of other areas in the industry. Right. Um, you know, but we're still working through supply issues, labor issues, you know, fear. Education always brings fear to people of just educating the, the public of rate increase and recession and what's going to happen and what's happening in the world. So fear mongers a lot of people too. Okay. You know, but today we're busy. Good. That's good. Do you think there was, because I, I know there are builders, contractors, subcontractors that are, I don't want to say starving right now, mm -hmm. but they're definitely seeing things slow down enough to where they're they're not as busy as they were. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're seeing that. You know, so you hate to you hate to not put the light on where the market is slowing. Um, you know, the the affordability is just becoming so unattainable. That uh, with you know with cost increase and interest rate increase, that a lot of the production builders have you know I, I hate to use the word come to a screeching halt, but a lot of them have said you know take the next three months off because we're gonna have nothing. Like right. everybody's just on this hold point. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of subcontractors that hey we're we're busy we're booked out up through the next two or three months, but then we see a screeching halt in our business coming in, mm -hmm. um, you know so maybe their phones have stopped ringing as much. We're getting more phone calls from subcontractors and suppliers looking for new accounts and mm. new contractors. Right. So there's definitely, it's in the air, absolutely. The only correlation I have to draw right now, and I, listen, I don't want to like point this pin of like, oh, we're recession proof. I don't have to worry. Right. You know, but from everything I'm seeing, those that are chasing a loan have caused a total slowdown. Interest rates have increased way too much. Whether it's in that custom 
multi-million dollar bracket or, you know, the beginner home getting in, those are becoming less and less attainable for people. But yet the clients with cash that aren't fighting the interest rates increase in the loans, even though they're seeing a, a you know, loss in maybe their stock market accounts or their, their investments there, they're still willing and able to put cash into a home. And that really is the majority of my clients is, you know, cash buying custom home building clients. Uh, and that's remained busy. So not to say that I don't think we're going to be affected by the recession and the, the continued inflation, you know, but it, it's not currently looking like it's going to hit me as hard. Do you think there's anything that you did in the last year to two years to prepare you for this point? Do you think there's anything that you've done different? Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's anything that I could say I consciously did. Like, right. Oh, I knew this was coming. So this is what I did. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so I don't want to play like I was smarter than, you know, anybody else that was that, that led into the scenario. But I think for Breen Homes, we built and grew over the past two years. And about six months ago, mentally, I kind of put a freeze on hiring and growing because I, I, I felt like for the past two years, we grew from what I'm going to say exponentially. We're still a small company, but we doubled the size of our of our staff. And six months ago, I just said, hey, it's time to just refine and become efficient again with those employees and departments that we have. Uh, and I think it was really smart to kind of put a hold on hiring at that time. Not to say that we mentally did that because we were afraid of a recession. Right. It was just we grew and we've got to control that growth. That was number one. Number two, about a year and a half or two years ago, when really supply chain issues started to hit us, we jumped into a bit heavier on our requirements for deposits and our clients up front. So more, more cash up front. And the intent to that was to be able to purchase the supplies and materials that we needed earlier on, store them and deal with some, maybe some logistical nightmares of moving things back and forth, but physically have that product. So we don't cause construction delays along the way, waiting on product and uh, the ability to have a more upfront cash that is in a contract non-refundable and purchase the supplies that are needed for the job and have them stored and ready to go has allowed us to be a little more effective with our timelines on construction, number one. Right. And a safety net if somebody says, man, we thought we were going to build, we can't anymore, we're stepping away. It's very smart. We have some cash up front that allows us to continue to operate business you right. know, for a year or two or three. Very smart. So I, I think those were, again, smart or not, I, I just think you know they were unconscious efforts that we did to excel or, or, or grow our business. But I wouldn't say they were necessarily like we saw this recession coming on and this is what we did, so to speak. No, I think that's a very smart move, period. Interesting. Good. Good. Well, I know you've been uh, pretty busy with quite a few things. You just, let's see, I think you went to your Builder 20 group. Uh, I know you've been on a couple podcasts, sit on a couple of panels. How about we just kind of chat about those things today and just kind of go through them all. Yeah, I like it. I A lot of the reason I, I do that type of work is to stay plugged in. I, I had a conversation recently with uh, somebody that uh, it was just some friends at the gym kind of talking amongst each other. And we we're talking about a larger tech company here in town. And one of the friends brought up uh, a higher up individual that just said, man, that guy, he's made it. He doesn't need to work anymore, but he just does everything he can to stay to stay a part of the business. And they were kind of joking like he just can't let go of it. It was like to stay relevant. Yeah, to stay yeah, okay. just stay relevant, but also stay like in the business every day. Got it. And not yeah. he's not like off traveling and playing yep. and spending his money. Yep. And they took it as like he can't let go of what yeah. you know, the business that he had. Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of, I took a step back and said, no, I, I truly believe that in order to stay at the top of your game, you've got to stay in it. The minute you step out of it, you start to lose that sharp knowledge that you have of the industry. Yep. You know, Absolutely. so now, now really is the time in my mind's eye to stay plugged in economically, uh, in the industry, uh, growing those relationships and being a part of new groups and existing groups and kind of just having that whole thing grow. Right. I think now is like the most important time for us to be very involved in what we're doing. Well, you say that should mean everybody in general. Yeah, just yeah. in general. Like yeah. it, it's uh, right Whatever now. Your field yeah, is. right now people say, okay, double down on advertising, marketing, yeah. get out there, get more jobs. And don't get me wrong, that's a, that's one aspect and area that you can grow. But man, stay plugged in. Right. Like we have so much access to resources, whether it's podcasts, social media, you know, networking groups, um, associations in town, like stay plugged in because it keeps you sharp and it gives you the ability to really pay attention to what's going on and when things are going to turn and be able to shift those. And it, it may be on a local level, maybe on a state level, it may be on a national level, a worldly level. Yeah. But like the more you stay plugged in, the more you stay sharp in your skills of your industry. You know, so for me, a lot of like the, the podcasts that I go on outside of this, uh, my professional networking group, the Builder 20 group you brought up, mm -hmm. the task force, you know, we, we'll talk a little bit about today. Those are all, in my opinion, to kind of not stay relevant, but stay plugged in and stay sharp. Right. You know, pay attention to what's going on. Right. Always learning. Yeah. Always absolutely. learning. That's one of the things that I, it's just in my blood. You, yeah. You've got to be a lifelong learner. If yeah. there's something that you're kind of curious about, yeah, spend the time, take the minute, try to figure it out, learn more about it. Books, totally. the book that you told me to read, by yeah. the way, yeah. uh, phenomenal. Good, phenomenal. You actually got in and listened to it. I read did. It, huh? I did. I was like, let me let me listen to this one. Adam told Tell me, me chapter about. one didn't just engage you. Oh, I was in. I was in. <laughs> I, I mean, the first, and it, that's what it usually takes. Is yeah. If that first chapter is like, eh. yeah all right, I'll suffer through this one. Yeah. But that first chapter, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. Yeah, for, for those listening, you know, we can bleep this out, but it's the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, the first chapter uh, doesn't, it over, it excessively uses the F word. Yes, yes. But it does engage you in so much to the point where you're just like, man, I love it. Like, it, yeah. it, and you kind of have to just get over the fact that it's going to use a crude yep. language. yep. But the way it, it's the author that reads it too, right? Totally. Yeah. The way he reads it and pronunciates, I think it is. I think it I'm is. not positive. I think, but it, I think is. it is. Yeah. But the way he reads and pronunciates it, it's just so raw and real, and it just hits home, man. It's a thinking. It's a thinking book. Yeah. Like if you're just thinking he's in there saying the f word, and you can't think about it in the context of he's saying the f word. Right. It's more why he's saying it totally. and what what that all encompasses and it's it's not the f word it's just it's the word that he uses to express the almost the i don't care right or the care feeling the, the action whatever really it is want. behind yeah. it right it's like great and oh. it is and that's where it became so engaging is i've told friends that is a book that really you should probably put on the rotation of like all once day. every two to five years for sure because you're you're what you give a crap about yeah out. changes on a yearly or you know a, a i don't know five-year basis yep. it may change within a year mm -hmm. but it's well worth listening to even if it's just that first chapter because you do have to come out and say it's not the fact that you shouldn't ever give a crap about anything exactly right it's the fact that you only have so much craps to give mm -hmm. and you really need to focus on 
what is important to you at that point in time in your life and those around you and give the attention and focus on those and not continue to let these little things bother you. I there There's one story in that first chapter where he talks about being at a uh, a grocery store and there's he's standing in line behind an older lady who's buying uh, some food and a younger college kid checking them out. I don't know if you remember this part. And the older lady is using 30 cent coupons to you know get her discount on items that mm. she's buying. Yep. And she is hell bent on those working. And the cash register kid, he's this younger college kid, is is going, well, I can't get them to work. So they don't work. Right. It's 30 cents. Get over it. Right. And she's hell bent on using mm-hmm. that 30 cents. And you're standing behind her. He's standing behind being like, does anyone effing care? It's, let me just pay the 30 cents and move on. And his point that he brings up is it's not about the 30 cents. That's all this older lady has a crap to give. Yep. She she doesn't have family. She have, maybe her kids aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. She may be too old to go out and exercise. She doesn't have a career or a job anymore. Right. So she has spent her time cutting out coupons and caring about them. It's the action itself that she needs. And the funny part that he brings up is this college kid is sitting there at the, at the register saying, well, it's his job. It's his given duty to not allow this if it doesn't work. Right. So he is not going to break the rules and lose his job. Mm-hmm. And all you do is care about your time. Like, get the hell out of my way, right? And so you've got these three contradicting <laughs> craps that don't give or give right. fighting over. And it just becomes this funny scenario when you really look at it and go, okay, if you're him standing in line waiting for this transaction to happen in front of you, is it worth letting it ruin your day? Like, should you really give a crap about that? You know, it's it just it becomes so funny how he paints this picture of going and he don't let this stuff ruin you. Great job with it too, right? Because all the little scenarios that he brings up and he he kind of drills into a little bit more. You automatically have a feeling about it already. You're like, hell no, like that doesn't even. I I would not be cool with that. Then he spins it around and you're like, yeah, shit, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess it really doesn't matter so much in in the big scheme of the thing that. Why would I really be worried about that? Yeah. But. There's a part, there's there's a section on relationships that he brings up that just because your your significant other does give a crap about something and you don't mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you should give a crap for him or her about that. Mm-hmm. But we're in our best positions in relationships when the other partner recognizes the things that you give a crap about mm-hmm. and doesn't doesn't try to double down or enforce or give a crap because you give a crap but allows you to give a crap about your stuff exactly right, and just supports you from the outside. Yeah. And that was a really interesting perspective for me to look at and say, it is, I, I don't need, you know, like we've talked a little bit, I'm in the middle of training for a half Ironman mm-hmm. and that's what I give a crap about right now. Right. I don't need Connie to be all about it, you mm-hmm. know, and like asking me what my training plan is and following up with me on it and, yep. and helping me to, but the fact that she's just like supporting me and letting me do it right. and saying, hey, when are you going to go for your long ride on Saturday? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what are you doing tonight? Okay, cool. I'll get a sitter. Right. Doesn't even question me on it. Right. She's just supporting what I give a crap about. Absolutely. You know, and so there is, I think there's a really good point where, you know, oftentimes you talk about relationships of somebody losing themselves trying to support a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. He's saying, don't lose yourself. Right. Yep. You be you and let that person be that person and live your best lives together. So I don't know. There's so many correlations in that. I mean, I hate so to go off on a tangent of it, but it's. It really is a good book, and any listener out there, I, I suggest you you jump on and listen to it, even if you're offended by the F word. Be offended. Definitely you know, give your crap read. about it, but put it on your rotation. Definitely a top <laughs> read. You got you to gotta listen to it at least 
once in your lifetime, but it's definitely one you have to rotate because yeah. there's a lot of good stuff in there. But yeah. I'm going to – we could talk about that one forever because that <laughs> there's so many good points. Let's kick that, that down to period. one night when you're having your glass of bourbon and there I'm like, you know, my glass of water out here. <laughs> <laughs> deal, deal. So along those lines, learning, uh, lifelong learning, your Builder 20 group just got back from that. Talk a little bit about that. What you guys learn? That, what did you learn specifically this this time around? Man, it, it was a a really good experience this year, uh, or this you know, let's say this half a year because we were every six months. We were in uh, Arkansas. Uh, Fayetteville was kind of the main town of where a, a member builds. Uh, we spent some time up in Bentonville, which is kind of their growing vacation mountain bike town. We got to spend some time together as a group, which in the past we felt pretty rushed. We go out there. We get into our meetings, we have our meetings, and we all kind of end up flying out. This particular host builder got us out there early, got us all out on the mountain bikes a couple of days before. So it was really nice to just fly in and spend some time together outside of our meetings, which was really uniquely cool. Yeah. Um, we, not to go off on a tangent, but we we had the whole group ride on, I think, Sunday, because our first meeting started on Monday. So we had like 12 of us out on mountain bikes. And... Uh, the builder that aligned or, or put this all together put the majority of people on e-bikes, you know, which is great for a mountain bike. But if you haven't ridden a lot, an e-bike tends to be heavier. Obviously, it's got the power behind it, so it, it gives it a little, you know, umph, a little gas in that engine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We had, I mean, I think the last loop that we had did of the day, five out of the 12 of us fell, like went down pretty hard. One dude broke his arm. Like, Damn, went down are you hard. serious? <laughs> That's a bad day. Poor dude, man. But yeah. and he was champ about it, but he went down hard. I come around the bend and we'd gotten this section. It was kind of like looping some, you know, more like outdoor park, yeah. you know, type riding that had some tabletops and some ramps, you know, and, and we're all like 40 plus. We should not be doing tabletops and ramps. Like it sounds Correct. ridiculous. Correct. But, you know, a bunch of men and we're all out there competitive builders. Yep. Yep. I come around the bend and he's laying on the ground, blood on his shoulder, helmet's got a crack in it. I mean, he went down hard. Jeez, he went down yeah. really hard. So yeah, broke his arm, had I don't think he got a concussion, but broke his helmet. Yeah. Ended up having they've got an ER that or not an ER, an EMT that sits out on like a, a razor and picks people up because this happens day in and day out with <laughs> right. people. You oh, know, we got one on turn of, four. So the poor guy's, you know, in a cast the rest of our meetings and uh. But no, what, what I learned, I would say the majority of my group was optimistic like I am of like, man, we're seeing it, we're hearing it, we're feeling it, that there's this, there's this, you know, taste in the air of a slowdown, but yet we all are remaining really busy. And it was comforting for me to hear that as we, as I felt that way um, and read the reports and builder updates of everyone's kind of saying the same thing. I really had a sense of we're in a good niche right now. But start to prepare yourself for a slower 2023 and 2024 and refine and and create efficiencies that you need to kind of like push yourself through. That was one area that I just felt like this overwhelming sense of, uh, I don't know, calmness maybe of what's moving forward in the market. And it was good to kind of have that buyout from other builders around the nation that are in, you know, and have been in, you know, incredibly fast growing markets. I would say that was probably the key thing that stood out for me. Outside of that, you know, we, we talked a lot of, of other things of how to refine certain departments that we're doing, dealing with in our own businesses, what we should be doing on marketing. We talked about this podcast and, you know, I had, I'd say more than half the builders in the room, you know, mentioned that they have listened to one or two or three episodes. Really? You know, so we're getting some attention from that. That's good. That is good. You know, like um, 
but yeah, overall, I, I think it was great. It, it was funny. I've got one of the other members uh, is doing a half Iron Man in Florida in May next year. And it was kind of unbeknownst to both of us that we had both kind of entered that and taken on a challenge. Mm-hmm. It just goes to repeat how similar these guys are to me. For sure. You know, yeah. Like we, we all sense this stress of, you know, the news and the media telling us recession is here and economy saying, you know, it's going to be a slow 2023. And, you know, what do we do? It's so funny how that group of individuals just kind of like, I guess, starts to migrate towards very similar things. It's like you have your your time to where you just need to be able to check in mentally and maybe meditate. And we do that through, you know, working out or training. The more time people spent their business and what they're doing with their current employees and what cultures they're creating all goes back to like the same things we're all doing to try to like make sure we have this very good, strong feel going into a recession. Right. You know, so I, I don't want to like pinpoint anything specifically that I learned, but I think from a general perspective, like it was some buy off on I'm. I'm in the right market doing the right things. Doing the right things. Yeah. Period. Well, that's good. That's, that's, I'm just so fascinated with Builder 20 because it's, it's the camaraderie of having a group of individuals that are all similar in their business. Yeah. And almost the mindsets. And it's like, I can't, I don't understand why more industries don't have groups like this. Yeah because everybody can learn something from everybody. There's sure there's egos, but knowing that, hey, this guy is having the same issues I am or similar, and you're learning from the next guy to him and what they've done, and you incorporate that into your business is like, it's amazing. Yeah, Instead of fumbling through it and, oh man, I really screwed that up. And now that was a very expensive lesson to learn. Now I got to go back and fix that. Plus, figure out another route to go. When you can learn from somebody, which is what I call wisdom, it's huge. It yeah. is massive. Well, it's it's kind of the truth behind it, right? Like I, it, it's amazing when you sit. Well, let's take like a therapy group when everybody's walls are broken down, yep, yep. and you're finally there, like ready to admit that you have a problem, right? Whatever you're talking about, right? And then other people start to say. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I correlate with you. Yeah. And when you're in a group like professionals like this, and we've all kind of gotten close enough to say, man, I just, I'm ignoring my family because I'm so busy with work. Mm-hmm. And they go, man, I am too. And this is what I've found, whether it's a book or a meditation or a balance in life or date nights with the wife. Like the minute they start to say that, it's like, we're all admitting to like having these same similar instances. It, it becomes amazing. I mean, I jokingly aside, I had asked for, Monday morning, the start of our first meeting, I said, hey, I, I need like 15 minutes of a personal privilege time. And I'd mentioned that to our moderator and saying, hey, can I have 15 minutes, quick personal privilege? I turned it into a total joke, you know, which I can tell about if we want to. Yeah. But everyone thought immediately I was admitting, you know, relationship issues, business failure issues, a lawsuit. Yeah. Immediately it was like this heavy weight. Yeah. And it's not because like I, I took that like the way I professionally put it, if I need a personal privilege. Yeah. But it was it was the fact that our group has shared that stuff with each other. Yeah. And said, hey, I am going through a divorce. You know, some of the members have a struggling business where I've gone into debt. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a loan, just drag myself out of a lawsuit that I had to pay for. Like, and mm-hmm. our group chips up and goes, I did that two years ago. Right. Or I've had to do that in the past, or I'm in the middle of the same scenario of a lawsuit right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like this, this weight is lifted and you're saying, 
here's what my attorney or my legal counsel or you know my wife whatever it was told me to do and it worked right right so it is like you drop down those walls and it just becomes you know something that you can't replace absolutely you know and i say that day in and day out when i get to that group i'm like these guys just get me they get it man that, you know which is awesome that is unbelievable and i i, I love talking about your builder 20 group just to keep things moving, because there's, hey, you, you've been busy last month or so. I know you were invited to uh, well, be a part of an event with a lot of realtors. And um, you were one of four people on a panel, I want to say. We talk in the, uh, the Salt Lake uh, Realtors Investment Group. Yes, sir. That's what we're talking that about. That was, uh, yes, that was a speaking engagement that I had okay. uh, where it was... Uh, myself and one other contractor out of Boise, Idaho, oh, okay. uh, that spoke to a group of about, I'd say about 150 mm. uh, investors, realtor investors, or I, I hate to even say realtor investors, just investors, investors. so to speak, investing okay. in real estate. Okay. I actually got the opportunity to be a part of that from a, a good friend that I work out with most every morning at the CrossFit gym. You know, again, you start talking to these groups of people that you just align with, yeah. you know, those that I see every morning at 6 a.m. at the gym doing the same stupid workout that I'm doing. <laughs> Killing each other. Yeah, exactly. You, you tend to align and go, hey, we think alike. You should come on and talk to my group. So I got invited out to one of their uh, one of their sessions, and uh, it was really fun. He didn't give me a whole lot of information of what the group was. Uh, and I'll, sorry, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely slay this, but it's the, the Salt Lake uh, Real Estate Investors Association, if I remember right. And it's a, it's a nonprofit group of trying to bring people together that are investing and need access to, to hard money loans, to uh, resources that they need to do their first flip or their hundredth flip, uh, investing in multifamily, land development, whatever it is. It's a group of resource to bring that together. Okay. And um, I honestly did not know that going in. He just said, hey, I want you to talk about new construction and maybe some of the challenges you're facing in new construction. You know, so I, I put together a quick slide deck uh, that really said, how do I how do I talk to an investor that is just looking for their first project, and how do I talk to an investor that's done, you know, maybe hundreds of millions of you know apartments uh, or land development? Uh, there's there's a, such a huge range of variation there. So really, I, I kind of took it down to the basis of like what I do as a contractor, and I think where I really landed my the core of my speech or my talk around was when you become an investor at some point in time you're either going to be an or act as a contractor or you're gonna to have to hire a contractor so what should your what should you be looking for to either give to your client if you're acting as a contractor or what should you be looking for in your contractor when you hire them you know so i, I really hit on you know my two big ones when i sell my business is trust and communication you know but then i hit heavy on upfront work uh, and, and building out a true and correct performa, you know, kind of saying your numbers don't lie. Oh, gotcha, so I, yeah. I, I delivered a, about a 30 or 40 minute speech with some Q&A afterwards uh, that really kind of just said, you know, hey, this is what I do when I do investments. This is what I do when people hire me as a contractor. How do I organize that? How am I efficient about that? I think it was received really well. You know, had, I'd say, probably a good 20 minutes of Q&A after I was done of multiple wow. questions. Yeah, I actually have a lunch lined up tomorrow with one of the investors that was there. That just said, hey, I'd love to pick your brain, you know, talk a little bit more about some of the projects he's currently on. Uh, when can we grab, you know, lunch and catch up? You know, so new relationships were formed. I hope that my 
my knowledge was was good to people out there. I think it was received well and fun. You know, I, I love getting in front of groups like that. It's like sitting here in front of the microphone and talking. Right. It's easy for me to just kind of start going on, you know, and so it was it was a fun engagement to be a part of for sure. Good. And you did get a uh, one lunch, but I'm sure you got a lot of yeah, again, you know, I, a lot of people. I tend to I tend to come out of those sometimes. I try not to get a negative mindset of like anytime I go into a business networking group, a nonprofit, anything that's like an engagement, you tend to leave with tasks that are busy, right? Yeah. Like I gotta follow up with this person. I gotta go back and send this person this document that I told them I would send them. I got a call or I'd like to get a lunch with this guy. I want to research what this guy does because he was awesome, but I have no clue what he does. Yeah. You end up with all these tasks that in a lot of ways can just become busy work for yourself, you know, and I, I, I hate to sound I don't know, cocky. I hate to sound uh, negative about it, but I don't need more busy work. I already got enough of that in my life. So I try to walk away from those without accepting more busy work if I don't need to. Yeah. Now that's not to say that I don't want to give back, you know, like yeah. it's always hard to go to those things and say, oh man, I, I, I should get involved in this. This is a cool group. You know, so I try to really divide the lines of like, what is, uh, whether it's just philanthropy work and helping someone out and giving back to a community or a group mm -hmm. and what's busy work and what furthers my business. And I try to weigh and give what I can or, you know, take what I need to from it. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I, again, the lunch tomorrow is probably, Currently a little bit of a give back, but it's also a relationship growth. Um, you know, Matt, who invited me to go out there as the current president of their association. I'm sure I will bring him on a podcast here eventually. He's very well-spoken cool. and has a lot of knowledge in investments and hard money lending. So just to grow that relationship is awesome as well. I like it. I'm looking forward to meeting Matt. Yeah. Let's see. You did mention, uh, let's see, was that, that was, yeah, that was like last month or here recently on a uh, Utah Land Task Force, you were invited to. Yes. An event there. What, what was that? Man, you really do listen, don't you? I try. I try occasionally. Listen, listen. <laughs> Cassie, if you're listening, <laughs> don't give listens. me in trouble. Don't give me in trouble. He now. listens, <laughs> man. I mean, we sat here just kind of shooting, shooting the shit, as they say, <laughs> for 15, 20 minutes. And now all of a sudden, we've got like this list of things that he knows that I did. Either that or he's stalking me. It's one or the other. You know what? I'm going to take it as you're a great listener. Yeah, let's let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah, so the catch-up, man. This, this is actually fun to, to bring up all these things. I, I feel like you, you say this, and I'm like, shoot, I have been busy over the past couple of weeks. It's only been a couple of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. I did that. Damn, yeah, you're right. Really? I did that. What am I doing? So what, why don't you have like fishing in there like oh you recently <laughs> went fishing <laughs> i did go i i recently went skiing there you go you know, there you go we could put that in there, there. Go. we we'll, can talk about I'll, that i'll just add that right <laughs> um yeah i got i got the opportunity and it really was an opportunity representing the from the salt lake home builders association i sit as our uh, state representative so our our utah home builders association representative and because of those associations that i sit on I got the opportunity to go and be a part of what was called uh, the Utah, I think it was the Utah Land Task Force. And the state has paid for a number of these task forces to be held to discuss what in the world can we do with our growing population. It's not, according to our economics, it's not, it's not going to slow down at any point in time. Utah, uh, specifically Salt Lake City, but all of Utah is going to continue to grow. We've been discovered, you know, I think the Olympics was probably 
one of the main things that really put us on a, not a national, but a worldly scale, but we've been discovered and we're growing. And so they, they're, our leaders are really struggling right now to say, given the economics of what we're doing, what do we do? How do we take care of transportation and traffic? How do we take care of water? You know, what do we do with uh, unaffordability or the lack of ability to attain housing? You know, what do we do with all these major economic issues? So the state has paid for a task force to get together of individuals that are involved on not just their own private level, but government level and private sectors that do understand the bigger economics of Utah. What can we do? And let's get some good ideas of what we can do to to allow this growth to come into Utah. Right. And they literally are, are saying, you know, in a, in a very sugar-coated way, how the hell do we do with this? We need help. What do we do? You know, so yeah, I got the chance to sit at a, a round table with 10 other individuals, both government and private sector. You know, we had the the mayor of Taylorsville at our table, the mayor of South Jordan City at our table, uh, a councilman. I think it was either, I think it was a planning commission member of Harriman at our table, a few private sectors individuals. I mean, really, really sharp minds that understand uh, our economy, not just in a individual municipality, but from our our statewide, or if we even want to go into like the Salt Lake City or the the Salt Lake County front, and you know, really talk about the problems that we have in each area. I mean, I can't really get into like this. Here was it. We came up. We solved the problem. Right. Like we did not solve the equation. Right. But one of the things we came up with was not just the general statement of education, educating the individuals, the members of our communities and society, but giving them the, the right education. And when I say the right education, it's not, take politics, not that I want to drag politics into this horrible thing to drag into a podcast, please. but we are fed the information that they, whoever they are, want us to hear. Right. It's not true education. It, right. It's not the facts. It's, this is from a Republican standpoint, what you want to hear. Propaganda. You know, from a Democrat. Yeah, it's, it's the propaganda. Yeah. It's a good way, good word to put it there. How do we educate people about growth and the negative word of density and that that is not a negative word as long as it's done correctly? Mm-hmm. Growth and development is done right, that that can be a positive thing for our communities and put in the right place. And it's a very sensitive topic because the, war, the, the minute you bring up nimbyism, the not in my backyarders. Yeah. People immediately, it's like calling a, it's like calling somebody a boomer, yep. you know, or millennial. It's like, yeah. don't call me that. The second you say nimbyism, people freak because they realize, maybe they realize that they're doing it or not, but it's the lack of education that they're just being told of like, nope, we're trying to develop here and you're a neighbor, therefore you have nimbyism. Right. It's this blanket statement. So how do we educate people to say, listen, it's not the fact that we're affecting your community, your neighborhood your backyard, Mm -hmm. but we have to grow right? because you just living in this little bubble of your community and saying, don't do it here does us no good. Right. But yeah, we we are growing and it's every corner of our current state just seems to be growing. And it's wild at where you look, the growth is South Jordan, the mayor of South Jordan city said, we probably grew on a percent basis more than any other city in Utah over the last year. And I, we were kind of having a candid conversation when we were standing in the dinner buffet line. And I said, why do you think you grew that fast? He goes, well, we have the land to grow in. I was like, yeah, but so does Harriman. Well, they were the second fastest growing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, so does Park City and Summit County, but they refused to let 
growth happen up there. Right. You know, um, so does Nephi and Payson. They're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. You see, so you look at all these areas. It's like, why South Jordan City? So I just kind of said, let's forget all these outskirt places and let's just talk like inner Salt Lake County. Why are you growing more than like Cottonwood Heights? Because Cottonwood Heights and Mill Creek showed very little to mm-hmm. minimal growth. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, both Mill Creek and Cottonwood Heights are smaller municipalities, cover smaller area and are more mature. So they probably are, it's going to be more infill growth than someone like South Jordan. Yeah. But I kind of pose the argument of like, just because you have the land to go horizontally with growth doesn't mean that Cottonwood Heights or Mill Creek can't go vertically with growth. So get away from this idea of like thinking we have land, therefore we can grow. And Cottonwood Heights doesn't have land, therefore they can't grow. It's that they're afraid of the word density and they're afraid to grow vertically, even though there's i.e. air or land that they can grow into. Mm-hmm. And I, what may sound crazy is a five-story building. It's not that tall. A home can be 30 to 35 feet tall. Five-story building. A single family. Yes, a single yeah. family. Yeah. A five-story building, if you do it right, is 50, 60 feet tall. Yeah. It's not like it's that much taller. Tree, trees in the neighborhood are taller than that. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I think the perceived perception of educating people, and I don't know how. I mean, we didn't, we had a couple hours to really discuss it, but giving people the right education in what smart growth is and that density is okay as long as done correctly into smart development is really a good thing. And then really what the state was looking for out of this is they were asked, they asked the question to us of what can the state on a government level do to support the municipalities? Like what can they do? Right. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about a, a very tough topic from the government sector to the private sector where more private says the state needs to take control out of the, the, the municipalities hands municipalities hate hearing that yeah for sure and i don't blame them i yeah. mean they had a they had, we had brought that up me and a couple other private sector individuals yeah the government sector really fought back the minute we brought it up of like no 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 no. we know what's going on we are the grassroots of our area i don't blame them we kind of came to a commonality of saying if the state had some incentives to push the the burden let's say of growth and blanket that amongst amongst more of the municipalities in general and not just say because South Jordan has land force them to grow, yeah. but give incentives to Cottonwood Heights, mm-hmm. to Mill Creek, to Park City, to these areas that aren't willing or don't want to, or the community is fighting back against growth, give them some valid incentives, whether it's in transportation, right? You know, improvements, whether money goes back to support the government for that growth. Yeah give them the incentives to allow them to grow and don't force them, but give them the right incentives that says, go ahead and add some density, have right. some growth. I mean, I, I take Cottonwood Heights. I live in Cottonwood Heights. To me, I, they, there was a question that came up on the board. And I don't know if I'm wasting too much time on this. Um, there was a question that came up on the board that said, uh, do you believe in the area you currently reside is growing too fast, not enough, or just right? And I said, not enough. And that was probably a mistake to say that because they had a, it was all done through like vote on your phone and it pulls up uh, on the screen. Yeah. And then they, there was 10% of us that said not enough. Mm-hmm. And the moderator said like, hey, okay, who said not enough? I want you to raise your hand. <laughs> who is it? You know, I'm like, raise your hand right now. <laughs> I'm sitting right. there in the back. My hand goes up. They right. bring over with the microphone. And I said, readily admit I'm from the private sector and I'm a developer. So mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. I'm going to say not enough. Right. 
But my thought behind it was not that we're not growing enough. We're not allowing enough growth because we already have the growth coming in. So like the growth at the mouth of Big Cottonwood, Little Cottonwood, all the the out-of-towners that we have coming in to use our ski resorts in our mountains, they filter to those areas and we can't stop them. We can't say no more traveling to Utah. Can't come ski here. They're coming in. So we've got to find the way to grow with that. And we're looking for ways and we're trying and there's arguments of whether the gondola is good or bad. And there's arguments of whether we should widen Wasatch or not and where the growth should be allowed. But at the end of the day, we're not allowing enough growth to support those people coming in. Wouldn't you rather, at least how I look at it, I would rather be, it's going to happen one way or another if I want it to or if I don't want it to. Let's just say I don't want it to. However, I would much rather be a part of that solution and have some say in how it plans out, I guess you can say, than it be enforced yeah. to me Yeah, by far. Yeah, I it's I talked a little bit about this on another podcast I did. You know, maybe we'll bring up because you were listening to me about other things that I do. <laughs> yes, two other podcasts. I Speaking of, yes. the growth is inevitable. To your point, and I have a hard time. Yes, I'm a developer. I make money off growth. Get the cat out of the bag. Right. That's one of the first things I always say when I go into a planning commission meeting. Like, yes, I am here to make money. You yep. know, but once you get that out of the bag, like that is my job. And so I, I spend my career educating myself about growth. And it's hard to say I don't want it to. Because if I get you away from the headaches of growth, more traffic, um, you know, more people around, lines, having to call every freaking restaurant on a Friday night to make reservations, yep. first come, first serve, everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Let's get away from that and go, but it brings more amenities, more restaurants more grocery stores, more hardware stores, more walkability. Roads. And these all, yeah, these all become all good, right? Yeah, yeah. If suddenly, you know, what the water challenge is faced and adapted towards mm-hmm. and we have the the ability to use water, then suddenly you can walk to the grocery store. You've got parks closer by. You've got bike paths that connect everything together. Right. Then we all like going to the 4th of July parade that the city puts on. If we don't have growth and we don't have resources coming in and tax dollars, we don't have parades. We don't have parks. We don't have community centers. We don't have development that allows us to enjoy the community we live in. So true. So part of me sits back and goes, okay, if you don't like growth, then just go back to your old bumpy dirt roads right? and trying to figure out how to drill your own well water to provide for yourself. Like yep. there are some positive amenities that bring in growth. And I think that comes back to the education point of saying, listen, we know, and this was a part of the discussion that we had one of the planning planning commission members that was at my table brought it up and said, smart development is trying to find where we don't negatively impact people on the growth of what we're doing. Right. And I said, yes, but that has to be discussed. No matter what you do, you're going to have a negative effect to someone. Period. There, there's no way. You can't make everybody happy. There's no way to make everybody happy. You're also going to have positive effects to individuals and, and neighbors. Right. So what we have to do is, whether we're elected you know, or career-taken individuals, we have to look at, does this, on a majority level, affect more positively or more negatively? And I hate to say it, but we kind of have to turn the other cheek at some of those negative effects and say, sorry, it is what it is. Right. You're going to have that growth. And hopefully... Some positive of this comes out of it for you. Right. And if not, if I've affected your life, you know, 
I being the group of individuals that that make these decisions, if I've affected it so negatively that it's it's ruined your way of life, I'm sorry. And I, I don't I don't mean that as like I don't give a crap. Right. I truly care, but you're gonna have that effect on somebody. Somebody that's been there for 50 years and has watched yep. let's take Summit County grow and grow and grow and suddenly they can't, you know, jump on their bike or the bus and cruise over to the ski resort and jump right on a lift because now it's too crowded. Right. That sucks. I get it. You know, and if it affects you that bad, then maybe it's time to uproot and go somewhere else. Try something yeah, and else. I, I'm do I don't mean that not being sensitive. I get it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, there's there's a there's a negative effect no matter what decision we make. Because if to we someone. don't make decision, it's gonna be a negative effect to somebody else. And I'm not saying a negative effect to me to put money in my pocket. Yeah. It's gonna be a negative effect to let's just say me as a resident in Cottonwood Heights, mm -hmm. ski days, it takes me an hour to get to my office. There's not a road, not a neighborhood road that I can weave in and out of traffic mm -hmm. to avoid the people trying to pack up the ski resorts. Last Friday, they just opened up Solitude and Brighton up Big Cottonwood Canyon. Mm -hmm. It was a two-hour drive in between the hours of 7.30 and 9.30 to get up to the ski resorts. Two I was up that hours? two hours to get up there. I was, and it, it didn't help that it was Veterans Day, yeah. but it was still a Friday. It was, in a lot of ways, it was a work day. Right. I was up at the mouth of the canyon at 8 a.m., you know, on my way to the office. And it was no matter what way I went, I was stuck trying to get to a job site, to the office wow. in, in traffic. Wow. So if we don't do anything, hey, I'm negatively affected as a resident. Right. You know, so I don't right. know. It's, it's a conundrum and it's why the state is saying, what else can we do to support this growth? But I, I applaud them for saying, let's get out to those that really are on the front lines and come up with some good ideas. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge that you were invited to that too, man. That's That speaks a lot uh, about your character, how you feel about the community and, and wanting to give back. What there. are you talking about? I'm just a greedy developer. <laughs> I wasn't trying I was to say that, there but now to try to find a way to make money. since you brought it up, <laughs> man, try, try to give me some props and you just shoot it down. I see how it is. It was cool. I, I was very honored to be able to, to go take part in that. It was awesome. Good. Good. Well, Tell me quickly, tell me about the podcast that you were invited to be on to. That's pretty huge too. So I recently did the uh, a second recording with the Utah Real Estate Podcast that is put on and it's a fun one. They I was on during the Pray to Homes because we kind of had a mini sponsorship with them where they interviewed a lot of the builders. Um, and on there, uh, the host of it just said, Adam, you just seem to have so much to say and you're so fun and you're, you're not embarrassed behind the microphone and you're, you're talkative, we need you back on. Right. <laughs> and so I went back down this time, you know, and before we started, she just goes, I just love it. You, you just have the ability to, to talk and tell stories and communicate and get some of this emotion across. And, uh, I, I said, alternatively to what the other builders that come on and she goes, well, we just, it's not even just builders. We just get people in here that will ask a question and they're, they're just like these one word answers. Yeah. They'll be like, man, that house that you built was so amazing. Tell us about Tell us about that entry, you know, right. and the builder or the agent, whoever they has on, it's just like, it was awesome. <laughs> there was glass. <laughs> and then they go quiet. And she's just like, and then I have to be like, well, tell me about the front door. It was custom. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, it was fun to go back on. We actually, I had a, a small side venture. I hate to say small. I had a pretty big investment about three or four, it might have been four or five years ago in trying to push the market of factory built i'm going to say tiny homes but factory built structures right it transitioned into like tiny homes mm -hmm. so i gained a lot of knowledge in 
the tiny home building, the world of factory built products shipped to a site. And we really just talked about the future of that. If there's a future in that, you know, the process behind what it is. And I was able to open up at least uh, the host or the moderator's eyes on, you know, factory built products and try to get them away from this concept of trailer homes, Mm -hmm. trailer home communities, like a tiny home community is not a trailer home community, but really to try to get their mind away from that and have them see a little bit more of like this futuristic world where, you know, homes can be shipped, set on site. It can be like a Lego construct where multiple parts of a home is shipped together and put together. Um, Believe it or not, a lot of hotel rooms are built off site in that 300 square foot box and brought in and craned into a steel structure of a building and slid into place. Wow. And literally like finished, that room is finished with the furniture in it. And they just crane that sucker up seven stories, slide it into its thing and you open the door and you're in your room. Wow. Um, and it's 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 common that they're built that way. So this is becoming more and more of a popular thing. So I just tried to get their, their mind turned away from like, oh cute, it's a tiny home and I live in a trailer and I travel. You know, it's like the idea of like living out of a sprinter van versus what is the the reality, the livability, the affordability, mm-hmm. and what is the future of these? Uh, and then some of the access, accessory uses of whether it's a hobby, a, you know, a hobby structure in the backyard of a property, yeah. an accessory dwelling unit, an ADU, yeah. um, you know, a rental unit, a community, an Airbnb, you know, kind of the versatile uses of factory built and smaller compact homes. Right. Uh, and it was a fun podcast. You know, we... It's funny because I said this is this was a venture I took on years ago. It's still something I'm passionate about and believe in, but I'm not chasing it as heavily because I kind of got out of it a few years ago. Of just I think I was a little ahead of the time there, um, and to be quite frank, didn't have the financial resources to keep pumping into it. Right, <laughs> for know? sure. So I, I I ducked out early, so to speak. But yeah, a fun podcast to really open some eyes up, and we even got a little futuristic of like. You know, what does happen in 10 years? You know, we started talking, you, know, you go back 150 years into the the late 1800s when the Transcontinental Railroad was around. Right, yeah. That was only 150 years ago. Look it's at what we've long. done in 150 yeah, years. That's not that So long. if you have to fast forward 30 years, a fifth of that time, mm-hmm. think of where we could be. You know, it's like, I even try to like break that down. To, and I think I brought this book up before. It's a book called The Future is Faster Than You Think. Oh, yeah. Come back to like, five years from now and 10 years from now, which is in our lifetimes, 30 years from now affects our children and their professional careers. You know, like my daughter, 30 years from now will be 36 years old. That's still younger than I am. Um, or, yeah, 36, yeah, that's right. A lot can change between now and then. And we, we've we got to be able to see, it's always hard when I sit in like task force meetings and we bring up traffic. And I know this sounds so crazy. Like You're going to say I'm an idiot. But I sit here and go, do we really have to be discussing traffic? Isn't that going to go away in the next 10 years? Mm. Yeah, that's what you're saying. And it is weird to think about that, but like, is traffic going to be a problem in 10 years? Mm. I personally think that in the next 10 years, that starts to go away. I mean, I can I can see where you're coming from because I what they say about the electric cars. Yeah. Yeah, or, or self-flying drones. Like right. you're going to be able to get in a drone that is self-flying, type in your coordinates and just go. Just go. To yeah. wherever you need to go. And you may not even own a car. You may just own a monthly membership with Uber that picks yeah. you up and flies you wherever you want to go. And you just put it in your calendar. Yeah. Um, you know, s- schooling. What's the future of education mm-hmm. and schooling? Yeah. Is it in a building, in a community 
that we continue to fight these security issues? Like, is that the future? Or does the future start to do something more of a tight-knit community, a neighborhood, education from home? You know, does that become an issue? And if all that, let's say like just transportation, let's say the the road traffic goes away. I think it's California has the restriction that you won't be able to purchase a vehicle unless it's an electronic vehicle by 2035. Jeez. You know, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's 12, 13 years away. Like, man, we are dramatically changing. So if suddenly we're not driving vehicles on the road every day, mm-hmm. now, I mean, they still will be dead, but say we're not, how does that change our infrastructure of roads, utilities? Right. You know? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you, you look at that big picture. And so sometimes I sit there in these, you know, take it back to the Utah Lands Task Force. When we're, when we're talking about the future growth and I'm going, do we discuss transportation or not? You know, we spend a million, billions of dollars on transportation. Big dollars. Is that the drive 15 years from now, 20 years from now? Right. You know, or should we be in dense communities that walkability is there? And if you're not walking, you're on a scooter, you're on an e-bike, mm-hmm. you're flying in a drone. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fun for me to get into that topic. We got into that a little bit in discussing some ADUs, some tiny homes, affordability, attainability, the ability to buy a structure that you can pick up and physically move. Right. You know, so you don't ever really have to sell that so, yeah. box. You can yeah. move it to a cabin property, an investment property, a rental property. Yeah. You know, so we discussed a little bit. Of that. It was a fun, fun podcast. Um, I don't know when it'll be released. I would imagine it within the next couple of weeks. Oh, I'll take a listen so, for it. Take a listen for it. Yeah. All right. What else have we done? I don't know, man. What else did you catch? Uh, you got pages of notes over there. Lots of lots of podcasts. When did you go electronic, bro? You know what? I know y'all can't see it, but Brandon has updated from the old <laughs> yellow pad, the notepad, which is wild to think you can still buy those, but he's yeah. now into like a electronic tablet. Yeah, I had to do it. You have pretty handwriting. Thank you. Mine's I not pretty handwriting. I should have been a doctor. Everybody says that. He got really nice handwriting. I'm like, I, I don't know where I got it from. Just... <laughs> just what it is military parents probably that's what i'm blaming for you probably. for that one <laughs> my print is horrendous i can't even read my print so i'm like cursive nice small tight yeah. let's just leave it at that well, i don't know I'm i went glad digital. to see you glad to see your update in technology speaking of you know growth and technology I have to i'm around so many people like yourself that just you know, inspire me. <laughs> I still you go look at my desk. I still got sticky notes and notepads. I mean, well, that's unfortunate. I always got a notepad close, just yeah. in case. It's always the always the scribble pad. You know, to put something down on. I noticed you were doing your your uh, sound on that as well. You have an app that controls all the sound. Yeah. Of, you know, yep. So you've kind of gotten into all that. Try, I'm trying to try because oh. my my kids are. This is what they're going to be doing. Yeah. So I'm trying to embrace it as much as I can, but still use the old school stuff yep. at the same time. Cause I mean, this dies, battery dies on it. You think pretty soon do? we'll just have like your hologram come walking in here and you'll just be sitting at home in your underwear, Yeah, you know, but yet you walk into this nice crisp suit, <laughs> sit down, your hologram. Yelling at kids, <laughs> probably. Exactly. probably. You know, just split ways. Yeah. It is wild. I mean, that, that goes back to that book. The future is faster than you think. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk of, you know, how much money and resources are being put into, you know, AI and AI growth and not just saying the meta world, you know, but the ability to, and we're already there. It's funny when we start saying like, you know, can you be in two different places at once? Can your AI be here and you be there? Yeah. Look at what Zoom does for us all the time. Yeah, like sure. it's not the way we think of it because movies said you'd have this hologram. Mm-hmm. It's now like, well, you can be sitting at home in a meeting that's being hosted in New York. Yep. 
And you can be hanging out with your kids and around your family, or you can be in Hawaii and be in a meeting back at home. Absolutely. And you can put on a fake background so no one knows you're there. You know, and it is like that is a form of AI. You know, we we said for years that like we would have chips inserted into us Mm -hmm. and we would be able to like, you know, instantly brought into education of what it was. We want to learn martial arts, right. you know, matrix, click, plug click. in, click. Yep. I learned it. Yep. And now we carry around these phones that are like, I want to learn martial arts. Yeah. Click, click. I can learn it. You know, so like it oh, may not yeah. be inserted into our skin, but right. you tell me where your fun phone doesn't go with you. Damn close. It's pretty much there. Damn close. You know, so yeah, it, it's, it's fun to talk that stuff. So it totally is. We might have to have a podcast on that one. Yeah. That, there's a lot of good stuff. And that was the future is, the future faster, is faster than, than you, you think. think. Okay. Yeah, by Peter Diamantes. Peter Diamantes. He's, he's an interesting soul. I mean, the guy, the guy is mind blowing when you listen to him. He's, I would say he's probably in the top three of like talking futuristic. Yeah. The reality of what we're doing yeah. and how we're doing it. Right. You know, he's, he's one to like follow and listen to. Okay. Might have to put that on the list. So, put that yeah, on man, the there's, list. there's a wrap of what, what I've been doing professionally for the past few weeks. Yeah, you've been killing it. You've been absolutely <laughs> killing it. And you're right. I have like a page and a half of notes that I am going to have to go through. And we're definitely, there's a couple of topics in here I see already. So I am still we'll building houses, you know, amongst yeah, oh, all yeah. that. I am still building houses. That's the crazy That part. is the bread and butter. You know, yeah. that Breen Homes is very much in operation going well. I mean, business is great. We have awesome clients right now. My staff is killing it. Like, it's just fun. I, I feel like in so many, le- in so many areas, professionally uh we are just like firing on all cylinders You're clicking it's, it's right now. it's fun dude like i somebody when i went into the the utah real estate podcast they said man you just you look awesome you look happy right i was like well you know i've, I've lost some weight in this dumb triathlon training that could be it <laughs> you know um i've had my my morning dose of caffeine but i said no i i honestly think like it just things are going good for me right now like it's happy it's good business is good you know uh, i finally come out of the cloud I was living in from raising twins, you know, like not that I come out of, but we're, we're living more of a normal life. Right. And it is just, it's life is good right now. It's fun. Good. You know? So outside of that, we're still building houses. That's what it's Don't all get about. taken away that we're, you know, doing all this other stuff. And I've retired from that. I still have to make money for a living. Main bread and butter, <laughs> bread and butter. Don't we all. All right, man. Well, uh, man, that was fun. I, I have to do this more often. I like just uh, chatting and just catching up and yeah. see what's going on. So yeah, it was good not to put a topic on it. Have yeah. some fun with it. Yeah. We'll definitely have to do that more often. But we are about bingo on time. So I think we better yeah. wrap It's time this to get to my up. day job. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same here. All right, my friend. Thank you. No, thank you, sir. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.